Good morning. Once again, it's good to be here. And the Spirit, I believe, has welcomed each of us here this morning. And we have responded to that welcome. I've heard that before that the, that the word welcome it has both an both a, uh, invitation and a response in it. The response is, we'll come, <laughs> in response to the invitation. <clears throat> so uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Holy Father, we do want to respond to the invitation to come this morning into your presence in the context with our brothers and sisters in the faith before you. And Lord, we pray that you would meet with us today. We know that even if we come, it's all in vain. We can do anything we want. It's all in vain unless you meet with us. So, be with the service today. To thy name's honor and glory. May our worship be acceptable in thy sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just had a few thoughts uh, this morning on deception. Um, it's kind of interesting because that's where my mind was uh, inclining when I was thinking about what to speak on this morning. And, uh, and last Wednesday, Brother Marcus shared a few thoughts on deception as well, for those of you who were here. And so I guess we're just going to build on that. <laughs> build a little bit on what he already said. Just a few thoughts. Um, this is in no way a thorough study of deception. <laughs> and it is not, uh, but it's, it's just a few thoughts relating to it. I had three thoughts to share on deception, and I had... Four ways to consider in avoiding deception. Now, there are two things that can look very similar when we think of deception. <clears throat> um, you know, we think of people walking away from the truth, walking away from God. And there are two ways that can happen. That's not always by deception. There is a difference between rebellion and deception. 1 Timothy 2, verse 14, speaks about, um, it's talking about Adam and Eve, and it speaks about Adam was not deceived. Adam knew when he ate that fruit that he was doing wrong. He knew that he was disobeying God. He was in, he was in rebellion. He was in disobedience. Eve, being deceived, was in the transgression. That's what the Bible says. I believe, ate, I believe Eve ate that fruit fully convinced that it would be best for her to eat that fruit. <laughs> the third thing you can notice in 1 Timothy 2.14 is while Adam was in rebellion and Eve was in deception, Eve's belief that that was in fact the best thing for her did not justify her before God. She was in transgression. The Bible gives us no liberty to be deceived. I remember a uh, conversation 
one time, or, or actually it was something that uh, Brother Chuck said to a brother one time, and we all know Chuck's background. He came from a, a religion that uh, we would believe would be largely deceived, right? And uh, he believed it to be true. He was raised that way. He knew he had the truth. And when he came face to face with the actual truth, his world was more or less turned upside down. And he, uh, I remember him asking a brother one time, Mennonite brother, he said, so how do you know that you're not deceived? And the brother's ready response was, well, I have no guilt. My conscience is clear. And uh, I remember Chuck just sat there and go, yeah, my conscience was clear too. If you feel guilt, if your conscience is not clear, you're not deceived. It shows you know better. You may be in rebellion, but you're not deceived. Deception, what is so deceptive about deception? And I know you never use a word to define the word you're trying to define, but that's, you know, it's just that subtle. The deception of deception is that it, it appears as the truth. When it is, in fact, falsehood. <clears throat> fact is, many people who are deceived are very convinced and very outspoken that everyone else is deceived. <laughs> and so the first point there is just basically, there is a difference between rebellion and deception. The second thing to consider about deception is that you don't have to choose to be deceived. Here's a saying that I like, and I think I've used this here before, but I'm going to use it again. One needs not give themselves to error to believe a lie. One needs only fail to behold the truth. Say that again. One need not give themselves to error to believe a lie. One needs only fail to behold the truth. And when I think of that, I think of Peter. Jesus' counsel to Peter was that he watch and pray that he enter not into temptation. Peter didn't wake up that morning and say, I think I'm going to deny my Lord. I just feel like denying my Lord. The fact is, he was fully convinced that was something he would not do. But he failed to watch and pray. In a sense, he failed to behold the truth. If you want to word it that way. It's actually interesting. I've seen... A few different examples of this in my life where someone actually uh, fell into a deception in their quest for the truth. Now, I've also seen that God's Spirit has been faithful in many of those situations and continued to work with them and bring them back out. But that just is another thing to point to the fact that you don't have to choose to be deceived. Now, I'm sure some people do, but you don't have to. It's more subtle than that. 
The third thing that is deceptive about deception is that deception can meet you at many different places. Amen. Fact is, at some that we would think opposite places. You know, I've often heard people uh, in our churches particularly cautioned that if you're too open-minded, you become susceptible for deception. I think one would be hard-pressed to say which way more people are deceived, whether it's those who are too, too open-minded or those who are too closed-minded. Deception meets you at both places. You be, so you can be deceived by being too broad. You can be deceived by being too narrow. You can be deceived by questioning everything. You can be deceived by questioning nothing. You can be deceived by listening to counsel. You can be deceived by rejecting counsel. You can be deceived by following the crowd. I mean, after all, everyone can't be wrong. Or you can be deceived by trusting no one but yourself. And thinking no one is right but you. The Bible actually makes it clear that there are those who handle the word of God deceitfully, indicating that you can misunderstand the scriptures in a way to support a deception. I mean, it brings that out in one place where it talks about those who do not understand the scriptures um, twisting them to their own destruction and fall after the error of lawless men. And so I give these because, I mean, Sometimes when, when you think about that, you kind of feel a little bit hopeless. You go, God, how do I know that I'm not deceived? <laughs> I don't think God is going to give us no liberty to be deceived and not give us a solution to know whether we are or are not. And so I bring this this morning as an examination. This is not to bring condemnation or make any of us dwell in insecurity but it is right to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And so I'd like to just quickly review a few ways that I thought would be good to consider in how to avoid deception. The first way is be a radical Christian. Be a radical Christian. Now, in saying this, I need to define radical because different people have a different understanding of what radical means. Radical is often used um, to mean drastic or extreme. And uh, <clears throat> I was just in a conversation last week with someone who was, uh, it's not a new conversation, I've been in it before, where it was this... Uh, this actually came from a conversation between someone from a plain background and someone from a non-plain background, where the non-plain background person was saying, 
We need to be radical Christians in the plain background. I was like, oh, no, that's dangerous. <laughs> Radical's not in the Bible. Yeah, I know. Trinity isn't either, but the concept is there. But anyway, and so I told him, I said, well, you need to define radical because radical, what radical means is rootical. The root word of radical is root. We all know what a radish is. A radish is a root. To eradicate something is to pluck it up by the roots. <clears throat> Basically, what being a radical Christian is, is being familiar with the fundamentals of your faith. Synonyms of radical would be like primitive or fundamental. I'd like to read a few verses in Romans, if you'll turn there with me. Chapter 1. The first six verses here are sometimes referred to as one of the as the closest thing to an expression in the scriptures of fundamentalism. Um, now, the fundamental movement that began a little over 100 years ago has had a hard time defining what exact points are fundamental and which ones are not, because every denomination has tried to insert their little pet as a fundamental point. <laughs> but... Uh, but most agree here that, that Romans chapter 1, is this is not, it doesn't expound any of these points, but it alludes to these points. So let's just read this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So there it's just taken for granted the existence of God, right? right. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice all the points of fundamentalism that are taken for granted and alluded to in this passage. Verse 1, obviously, is the existence and the supremacy of God, the fatherhood of God, which is point one of fundamentalism, generally. Two, God speaks through the Holy Scriptures, Amen. the inspiration of the Scriptures, and the infallibility, because... The scriptures promised something, and it came to pass, as the verses go on to say. So the infallibility and the inerrancy and the inspiration of scriptures. Amen. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Here you have the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And I like the word incarnation because... There again, the root word makes the understanding easy. Carne in Spanish means meat. 
in carne. It's God in meat. God in the flesh. <clears throat> Declared, verse 4, to be the Son of God with power. There you have the deity of Jesus Christ. Who's fully God, fully man. According to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, you have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By whom we have received grace. The grace of Jesus Christ for obedience to the faith. There you have obedience. Among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. The ecclesia, or the church of Jesus Christ, the called out ones. <clears throat> one, one of the central points to, actually I'll just say this, in thinking about avoiding deception, most of the cults and most of those who veer from Orthodox Christianity attack one of those points. They're either attacking the inspiration of the scriptures they're either attacking the divinity of christ or they're attacking the incarnation of jesus christ uh, brother joe i don't know how many times since i've been here you've read second john but i love it keep reading it but it makes it very very clear in there that if you do not believe that christ or that god has come in the flesh that that is the spirit of the deceiver and of the Antichrist. Right. You know, there are people who debate, do the scriptures just contain the word of God? Or are they the word of God? I'm going to tell you that this the scriptures, this does not contain the word of God. This is the word of God. If you don't believe that, you're a sitting duck for deception. What sure guide do you have for anything? Because the moment you start questioning one part, you're going to have to question it all. How are you going to establish what's inspired and what's not? What's most convenient? Yeah, and, and two, there are people who question the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, these, these fundamental points are often questioned. We cannot, we cannot go there. Um, so be a radical Christian. Be familiar with the fundamentals of your faith. That will definitely help you in avoiding deception. Point number two. Two and three kind of go together, but point number two, I wanted to throw this in here. Is it significant to you what others of God's people think? You know, people are people. God's people may not always be right in everything, but they're going to be more right than you are in everything. <laughs> more consistently it has to you know this this idea the reason i inserted this is i hear oftentimes 
in this generation, the, the comment, that, well, I don't care what other people think. That's actually a very, very dangerous place to be. It needs to be significant to you. You may not always agree. You may, I don't know. But it, it has to be significant. You can't just throw it out. It kind of goes with point three. Don't follow your heart. We hear that phrase sometimes, don't we? Just follow your heart. It'll lead you right. No, it won't. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. So the who can know it. That doesn't sound like a trustworthy guide to me. Proverbs uh, 28, 26 says, um, I believe that's the one that says, the wise man guideth his heart. The wise man doesn't lead his heart. He guides his heart. And he guides it according to the inspired word of God. There's another Proverbs there. I believe that's the 23 Chapter 23, verse 19, that says, The fool follows his heart, or he that followeth his heart is a fool. Don't follow your heart. It will lead you into deception. And the fourth point is just simply watch and pray. The counsel that Jesus gave to Peter was watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. You know, when we think of just so simple a thing as on a daily basis, reading and seeking to understand the Bible, loving to read the Bible, and praying, loving to communicate with God, reading and praying, watching and praying, it's a very necessary way to guard against deception. And so just to rehearse those four points, is to be a radical Christian. Be familiar with the fundamentals of your faith. Let it be significant to you what others of God's people think, primarily your authorities. <clears throat> Number three, don't follow your heart. Number four, Watch and pray. These are days of deception. Deceivers abound. Let's, uh, let's make sure we're giving diligence to avoid it. God bless you.